a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Never seen the sky so blue. The birds are singing, I got nothing to do. Hey, 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 hey. It's a sunny day. Sunny day now. My pocket's empty, my cupboard's bare. Call me illogical, I just don't care. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. And yes, the sun is out, thank goodness, after all those storms this week. And uh, we are looking at temperatures in the 50s this week. With us this morning is Liz Hamilton, and Ton is uh, coming to us remotely this morning because. Tanya, you've been a little bit under the weather this week. Yeah, I was out Wednesday, and then I've just had a cold. I haven't been able to kick. I'm mostly over it, but just out of safety, I'm buried deep in my bunker in Orem in my office. So, <laughs> Well, you are very loyal. Most of us, if we were feeling a little under the weather, we'd just call in sick, Ton. But thank you for being with us this morning. Oh, I always love doing the show. And you invited Liz to come join us, too, just in case you can't make it all the way through. Yes. And so Liz is not only here just as kind of the the backup, but she's a very talented horticulturist that does a little bit of everything, a little bit of teaching, a lot of design work. Um, right now she's employed by the Utah Department of Ag and Food, and she has been a guest or co-hosted several times in the past, and we're grateful to have her back. Liz, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Tom, we want to start this morning, and the plant of the week is the primrose, which is one of my favorites, and uh, you can buy them just about anywhere right now. They're in all of the box stores. They are, and they offer a really bright pop of color in early spring. And so they're locally, you know, you'll read that they say perennial and Liz can interject here if she's any different, but what we're calling cottage primrose or sometimes kind of improperly English primrose locally isn't really a long lived plant, but what they're worth using, you know, in, if you have planter baskets on your porch or flower beds around the front of your house, they'll give you color for at least eight weeks and they're just very beautiful. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that it is a separate species. It's not related to evening primrose, like totally different family. And I think sometimes people get those two confused as well. But yeah, in my experience, I actually have one in my yard, just one. I didn't think it would make it through this season and it's come back for about five years which I think is unusual for our climate. <laughs> I don't know why that's happening. And I would also point out that it's in complete full shade. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I just was trying to put some fun, some fun color up front. And then it's just hung around and it blooms every year. And it's actually super pretty. 
So I think it can. They can live. I just uh, in the right spot. In the right spot. Yeah, you can't expect full sun in our hot, warm summers to do it any favors for yeah. sure. The thing I love about the primroses is that you can put them in your containers on your porch, and then after about eight weeks, when it's starting to get too warm, I've actually planted some of my back in full shade, and they've done okay for a few years. I wouldn't say. Tom, that they've actually thrived in our climate, though. No, I think that they, you know, these are actually fairly cold hardy. And areas like Heber, Ogden Valley, even maybe Bear Lake and protected areas that they would do better to where the afternoon highs usually aren't above the low to mid-90s. But here on the Wasatch Front, they can overwinter, but they're primarily grown as a springtime annual. Yeah, the pansies and the primroses I plant as my springtime and winter annuals, right? So what kind of uh, conditions do they need as far as soil and water, Ton? The soil, they're not very picky, especially if you're only using them for, you know, eight to ten weeks. You know, they do not like to be dried out, but... They don't like a swamp either, so they just need evenly moist soil, maybe with some compost mixed into the soil if you can before you plant them. But they're not overly picky. I think they're they're native to the UK too, so like the original species type that have been, uh, hence the name English primrose, right? But they like that really overcast, very humid like wet very rich soil so it's not super conducive to utah (laughs) but they uh and like i think that's why they're ending up thriving in that shady spot near my front porch too and also i would say something to think about is slugs slugs love them so if you have a slug problem they will eat them hopefully they're protected if you have them in a container but if they are in ground you've got to protect them yeah Anything you want to add, Todd? Well, just if you need a pop of color, be adventurous. You know, these are some that I think a lot of people haven't used and they could use more. I remember growing up, I worked for a lady in my neighborhood who was older and she always filled up a couple of small flower beds near her entryways with these, and she mixed them with ranunculus. And they were always really pretty. And there's just one I would give a shot, even if it's just a few here or there. And just, like I said, be adventurous and try them out. Yeah, they're super fun in the house, too. I like putting them in little pots and putting them in the middle of the table for a centerpiece. Just a just that dash of spring color just makes us all feel better, even when there's a lot of snow still outside. Really lovely for Easter centerpieces, right? too. You can get them in all those really like soft pastel colors and put them in with some cute bunny statues and some sheet moss, and you have yourself a really gorgeous centerpiece. Yeah, I've put them in baskets, too, which makes them cute for Easter. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with your phone calls. The number to call with your uh, questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. 
In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria, Ton, and Liz with you this morning, taking your calls and questions, 801-575-8255. And you can also text us at 57500. Ton, people are up. It's The sun is out, and they have a lot of questions this morning. Let's go to our phone lines. Jan is in West Valley. Good morning. Jan, what is your question? Yes, my mother-in-law had necrotic ring spot in her uh, lawn, and she has let the lawn die. So what should she do now? Well, when you say she let the lawn die, did she stop watering it, or what's the situation there? Well, it just kind of died on its own, but she isn't watering. Well, is she watering it? Yeah. yeah, she is watering it, but it's it's dead. There's no green left in the lawn. Okay, and then did it it died out last summer then before yes. it went we should have gone dormant. Okay. And was it only in the area where they saw a necrotic green spot or is the entire lawn gone? The whole lawn is gone. It spread throughout the whole and it's just in her front lawn. She lives up in Bountiful. I I'm wondering what's going on because necrotic green spot doesn't usually knock out an entire lawn like that. You'll see rings and then they'll coalesce into dead areas. And so I'm wondering if you had maybe some insect damage in there in addition. And so what I would recommend doing before you spend a lot of money on any fungicides or any insecticides is wait for spring. So late April to mid-May and then collect some samples in there and see if any of the grass comes back. But it, I would send some samples up to the USU Pest Lab to let them go through it to see if they can find anything before I just kind of recommend a shotgun approach. Okay, but what would be a good option if she decides she doesn't want turf grass in the front to help with? you know, water usage and the drought and everything. Liz, do you want to chime in on the lawn alternatives? Yeah, there's a a lot out there. Um, I'd recommend checking out uh, Localscapes, which is a program through the Jordan Valley Water Conservation District, and they go over a lot of really great water saving methods and different plants you can try. But you can check out if you're looking to – are you looking to get rid of your lawn completely or just replace it with a drought-friendly alternative? A drought-friendly alternative. So at the same place, Jordan Valley Water Conservation District, they have a garden called the Conservation Garden Park. And they actually have a whole display where you can go and look at different options in in fake little lawn sections and 
um, you can go see if you like any of those. But there are some really great um, warm season grasses out there, like your buffalo grasses and things like that. But um, they kind of go dormant in the winter, so your lawn looks a little brown. But in the summertime, they're pretty lush and green. Um, the, a lot of people talk about overseeding with uh, micro clover. Uh, and I, I think it takes quite a bit of water to get up and running, but then once it's there, it takes less water and they stay fairly green most of the summer. But again, they're not around much in the wintertime. So there are just some different options that you can check out that, um, may work with your aesthetic. And I'd highly recommend going to check out the conservation garden park and looking at what they have to offer so that you can try it before you buy it. Okay. Any other suggestions on what we should do? Well, I like I said, if you're worried that narcotic ring spot knocked out the entire thing, I would send those samples up to the pest lab. And if you go to the website, uh, let's see, it's what, what is their website? It's pest.usu.edu. I'll look it up really quick, but if you Google USU Pest Lab sample submission, it will give you the instructions, and it's usually anywhere from ten to twenty dollars plus postage to have them look at it. But don't send a sample up now because it's winter and it's dormant. Okay. All right. Jen. Thank you. Thanks for your call this morning. Next listener, Ton says, "What things should they be pruning over the next month?" Well, there are several things. The stone fruits need to be pruned uh, within the next week or so. That Those would include peaches and plums and cherries and apricots and nectarines. If you haven't pruned your apples and pears, I would get those done very quickly. Roses are coming up in mid-March, and then also a lot of our shrubs should be pruned through March, the exception being if they're spring blooming, so snowball bush, lilacs, um, viburnums, there are a lot of them that are spring bloomers. Some of the, like bridal respirea, you prune those right when they're done blooming. All right, let's go back to our phone lines. George is on the line in Provo. Good morning, George. What is your question? Good morning. Your last caller, I, I think uh, this is a very related question. Uh, I have these terrible, and you've probably answered this a thousand times, I have these terrible brown spots in my uh, lawn. I've tried ring to green and stuff. I, I haven't seen it, but it's, it's just taken big brown spots all throughout my grass. And, uh, uh, and so I want to reseed and wondered if I reseed with grass in those spots, uh, grass seed. Uh, can I use fertilizer? Uh, on on my grass, or do I need to stop using fertilizer once I reseed? Well, you're you've got a couple of different things going. If you're going to reseed, did you have someone test your lawn for necrotic green spot to make sure that that's no. what was killing it? No, I no, I didn't, and I heard your last caller, so I need to send a sample into USU. Yeah, when the lawn's actively growing, it's fine to use fertilizer when you do reseed. And you can just use an average lawn fertilizer as long as it's not weed and feed. And then you, if it is a necrotic ring spot, I might actually reseed with turf-type tall fescue because the fescues are resistant or immune to necrotic ring spot. 
will that be um, dissonant to the other grass that's already around it? No, the modern varieties look very similar in look and texture to Kentucky bluegrass. Mm-hmm. Fescue, it's called. Yeah, turf-type tall fescue. So okay, there good. are many kinds of fescues. You don't want pasture fescue. You don't want red fescue. You want the turf-type tall fescue. Turf-type tall fescue. And what what's the best time to start reseeding that? In it, late April, well, it depends on the weather. You know, mid to late April is usually a good time and then also in August, late August and mid to late August. And uh, how, how much water should should be used on these places um, on the on the lawn? Well, it depends on what you're doing. If you have existing grass there, you're going to if you're still on restrictions. We some areas still may be. You're going to have to follow those unless you can get an exception, but where you put that new grass seed down, water is normal a couple times a week, but maybe another two or three times, you're going to run the sprinklers for five to seven minutes to keep it moist enough for that grass seed to germinate. And when you start to see it fill in, then you could start to back off. But if it's completely bare, you've got to treat it just like you're seeding a new lawn. When should I send a sample into uh, into the testing soil? When the grass is actively growing and you've mowed once or twice. Okay. Well, that's that's very helpful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your help. George, Not a problem. Thanks for your call this morning. We're going to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. Number for you to call with your questions. And the phone lines are open. 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions. 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.